Welcome to Classic 4x4, the podcast for people that love classic four-wheel drives. I'm your host, Chris Piccone, and you can follow the, the podcast on Instagram at Classic 4x4 Podcast. That's 4x4. And you can follow my shenanigans at Overland by the Sea. So today we have a, a, a very unique guest and a guest that I'm even surprised returned my, returned my, uh, my email and is, and is with us today. I'm actually very honored. But this guest is actually a follow-up to uh, my interview with Paulo DeMassa. For those of you who did listen to uh, the Paulo DeMassa interview, you heard him talk about his most recent FSJ Wagoneer project that he built. Um, he had Jeep Farm build it and uh, he drove it across country. It's an absolutely epic project, but uh, he had mentioned that the inspiration for that project was a Parkway Green 65 Wagoneer that the FCA designers, Jeep designers, had done. So it was a corporate restoration uh, and redesign. That was his inspiration for his build. He did a great job with his build, but that got me thinking. What if I was able to get the person that designed that 1965 Parkway Green? Like, how would I get an iconic automotive designer on the Classic 4x4 podcast? So, uh, through an absolute stroke of luck, today our guest is Chris Piscatelli. Chris, what's good, man? Hey, man. How you doing? I am well. So, uh, you know, for those of you that, are, that don't know Chris, Chris uh, is a uh, is a design manager at, at Stellantis, and he has worked not only on the Jeep uh, design manager, but also presently works on the Dodge SRT design team as a design manager. But uh, most notably, he worked on and was a design and really the lead designer and, and design manager on all the this Moab, the Jeep Moab special project uh, Jeep. So, we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, he's not only in this order a great guy, an absolutely accomplished artist, uh, but like I said, a, a uh, an iconic automotive uh, designer. So right about now, our listeners are probably scratching their heads and they're like, "How did you know this this classic four x four podcast and and the host get you know this Jeep designer on?" Um, on the podcast. It's a relatively new podcast, uh, though growing rather rapidly. And uh, I really attribute that to my stunning good looks, amazing personality. Uh, and and that's, that's really how it happened, right, Chris? That's, a, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. We'll so <laughs> the reality of the situation is uh, Chris Piscatelli and I actually grew up together in northern New Jersey. You know, a guy with a last name Piconi and a guy with a last name Piscatelli. Go figure that uh, they grew up together in northern New Jersey. Exactly. It has the <laughs> Sopranos written all over it. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much again for joining us today. Absolutely honored to have a, a Jeep design manager, uh, but also an iconic automotive designer. So for those of you that don't um, that don't follow Chris or don't uh, have never followed Chris on Instagram, make sure you do. You can follow him at Piscatelli Design. You can also check out his website, PiscatelliDesign.com, where he does uh, have his original sketches and he does uh, have prints available to the public of those original sketches. So, uh, Chris, man, um, you know, you've known me since we were uh, in middle school. Your mom was oh my actually my, uh, my math tutor growing yeah. up. Uh, uh, yeah. your, your mom is amazing super intelligent but i'm still horrible at math <laughs> yeah no i mean it didn't it, it didn't go through through me either i mean i can draw but adding two and two just is never really my thing that's why i ended that's... up in art school you know <laughs> <laughs> so so walk us through how you know you, you 
you know, where'd you go to art school and how did you end up becoming an automotive designer? I know you for, you know, 20 plus years, you know, 30 plus years at this point. Yeah. And you've always yeah. been sketching cars. You, your, yeah. your family was into cars. Your dad was into cars. You were into cars. You've always been sketching. How does that, how do you go from a 12 year old that is sketching um, to now you're a design manager at, uh, yeah. at, at uh, formerly at Jeep uh, and now at Dodge SRT? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was a whole lot of sketching. Basically, like I've always wanted to do it. Right. You know, it's, it's been something that I've always done. Um, like you mentioned, my dad's been into old cars for as long as we've been you know, around. Uh, and so really it was it was the the art. And then combined with my love of cars, I always really wanted to get into car design. And so, you know, we grew up in New Jersey. There was really no um, no car design to be found in, on the East Coast. And so. Originally, I went out to school in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and I studied product design uh, up there and got a degree from uh, from RISD. And when I was there, I still I wanted to sketch cars, right? So I was like, you know, maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll look into this. And I found uh, there was an art center, which is the other side of the country, right? So I was I was going to drop out or take a year off of of uh, RISD, go out there and learn how to draw cars because. You know, sketching is one thing, illustrating is one thing, but like really designing cars as a whole methodology to it, right? And I wanted to learn that. So um, I talked to the head of the department and said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. And he said, well, before you, you know, take off, um, there's, a, there's a school out in Detroit. It's called College for Creative Studies. Um, they're plugged into, you know, all the automakers. Half the teachers there are working automotive designers. You can go there as an exchange student. And, um, you know, that way you all your cran, you know, transfer all your credits. You don't have to worry about any of that. Okay. Right. So I moved out to, to beautiful Detroit in 2002, murder capital of the world. And, uh, it was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, it was a really, really good experience because it, you know, it solidified my want to be a car designer. Right. It was like, it was an exercise in humility because I was thrown right into the mix with these guys who were already doing car designs they were juniors and they were already doing car design for three years and so here i was like sketching these you know potatoes with square wheels trying to figure out how to you know how to how to catch up with these guys but um through sheer italian stubbornness i was you know able to kind of at least soak it all in and by the end of that semester the head of the department at the time and a few of the, the faculty approached me and said hey you should do this like this is you you've obviously you know, picked up in three months what it took a lot of students three years to do. Um, you should, you should come out here. So immediately I, I called my parents and I was like, I'm moving to Detroit. You know, I'm, I'm leaving RISD and I'm going to, going to finish out. And they were like, all right, hold back the bus up. They're like, first off, like, you know, RISD is a really good school and, you know, don't you want the degree that you're going to probably be paying for, for the next 30 years, you know? Um, and also you only have three semesters left. So I went back to the head of the department and said, Hey, would you give me a rain check? If I come out here and study car design, would you allow me to come into the, uh, into the school as like an incoming junior? And so that's essentially what I did. So I, I moved back out here after I graduated RISD. And once I graduated CCS, I went uh, straight into the industry. I was with GM for uh, about seven years. And then I got a call from uh, the head of Jeep. And he was looking for people for his team. And we had known each other. We had met when I was in school. Uh, he was, you know, a visiting um, for one of the, the sponsored projects. And so we had kind of stayed in touch. And he said, I need someone, you know, on my team. So I jumped over to Jeep and uh, the rest is is pretty much history. I'm still, you know, at FCA or uh, now it's Stellantis, but still at the company and 
um, was with Jeep for a number of years. I think it was uh, six years in Jeep, and now I've been at Dodge for three years. So it's been a wild ride so far. That's super cool. I, I had no idea that you were at um, at GM first. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you d- design or work on any of the design teams for anything cool at GM? Yeah, I was on a number of design teams over there. So I, I bounced around quite a bit. When you're a new hire, at least when I was a new hire at, at GM, they really tried to push designers into a bunch of different studios so you can get a, a kind of a plethora of uh, different experiences. So I was in truck studio, interiors, exteriors. I was like advanced um, towards the end of my tenure there, I was working on, uh, in the Buick studio, which was always kind of a, a funny inside joke. I came over to, to Jeep and for the first number of years of Jeep, they're like, yeah, give it to the Buick guy. You know, it was <laughs> like the furthest thing from, from Jeep, you know, as a, as a car designer, cause you know, Buick's got a totally different methodology than obviously and <laughs> anything to do with Jeep. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a good experience. I'm glad I went there out of school because it was such a, you know, design powerhouse. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a huge company, um, and there was a lot of talent there. Um, but then coming over to uh, FCA was a lot smaller, but it also came with a lot more responsibility, which was awesome. You know, so that's cool. So, so let's talk yeah. about some of the projects you worked on. So you you sure. did all the the Moab special projects, which we talked about. You know, sure. the the sixty five Wagoneer that uh, you know everybody knows uh, because it was on Jay Leno's garage. You were on Jay Leno's sure. garage uh, talking about it, and um, and obviously was the the inspiration for Paolo Damas's most recent um, uh, build. But uh, what other cool stuff that have you worked on? I know you you worked on the the Gladiator, the Compass, uh, the new Grand yep. Cherokee. So walk walk us through uh, kind of your time at Jeep. Sure. So I when I hired in, um, we were they were just starting sketching on uh, what's the the current Compass that's out, right? So it was it would become the two thousand when I say it came out in two thousand eighteen or seventeen Compass, and so uh, but this is back in two thousand thirteen. So I, I came in, that was the first project I started sketching on and um, was working on that vehicle as a, as a lead designer. And then, um, but in the kind of background, uh, what Mark had worked on for a, quite a number of years before I, I came to the company were these specialty concepts at, uh, for EJS out in Moab, EJS being uh, Eastern Jeep Safari, for those who don't know, um, and which is basically kind of a mecca for for jeeps right and jeep mm-hmm. enthusiasts right and tens of thousands of people converge every year um and it's it's just an awesome event so mark for years had been building these kind of one-off drivable concepts and when i first hired in i'm working on these new things i you know i had seen these these things and in fact we went out on like a morale event where um we got a bunch of these moab jeeps and went up in into you know about an hour to north of, of where we are here in southeastern michigan and you know wheeled them and and to me it was like i was blown away right here we are in these like ridiculously over the top totally custom one-off builds and we're driving them on the freeway and then airing them down and wheeling the hell out of them it's like dude you you guys can we can take these and it's like oh yeah you know we drive them (laughs) that's what so 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 of course you know being the hot rod guy that i am the wheels immediately start turning and i was like well I want to get down on this. I want to design this because, you know, they're, they're kind of mini projects. Like the, for instance, the, the, uh, compass, I started sketching on that in 2013 and it would be another three to four years before it would hit the road as a mass produced vehicle. But the Moab vehicles are kind of one-off custom creations. You only have about four or five, six months maximum. Usually it's a little less just because you start sketching them. And then all of a sudden, 
before you know it, you're into the winter and spring is around the corner and Easter is a hard date every year. So it's, it's, uh, you know, you got to get these things done and not only do you have to build them, but they have to be totally drivable. And not only do they have to be totally drivable, but they have to be like valid real deal wheelers because the first thing they do is hand the keys to the media who are never easy on cars. Right. So it's like, they have to be tried and true, robust, like no shit builds. Right. So it's like, Oh man, that's, that's crazy. But it's, it's super compressed. So um, you're, you're literally pointing and shooting, which is awesome. Right. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're a designer fighting for millimeters over a four year span to like come at something, which takes more of a, you know, a sense of humor and a hacksaw, you know, than, than, uh, you know, uh, a ruler, a micrometer type deal, you know, it's, it's, it's really a, a kind of a cool release. So immediately I kind of sketched up a couple ideas and threw them, uh, at Mark and said, Hey, you know, what, what do you think of this? And so we start brainstorming on a few things and then, um, basically like out of nowhere, I had, uh, I want to say it was like five cars at once, you know, for the, for the EJS. I want to say that was 20, 2015, mm-hmm. which, so and they were all like more mild, but uh, like, I want to say three of the five that I did that year were full ground up builds. One was, uh, one was called chief and it was, it was a JK. It was based on JK, but it was, you know, inspired by an SJ. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, it was this kind of uh smurf blue white stripes, the whole, I chose to take every, every kind of vibe, you know, I had the kind of slotted mags and, you know, but it was all JK underneath. And it really kind of played with, with people's perception of what, you know, a JK was versus an old SJ. Right. And, and it's, it was kind of a, an interesting, uh, an interesting ride. So after that, we just kind of, literally the minute after we showed that, you know, it was like, well, what's next. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it was like, so it's been years of us like kind of coming up with what's next. And then, um, one of Mark's ideas that again, he started, you know, before I joined the team was once in a while, he would get these older Jeeps that he mm-hmm. would find, or would be donated or whatever it was. And he would kind of resto mod them. And they're always, you know, they're always a pleasure because paying tribute to the heritage, which, you know, Jeep has such a rich heritage and, but you also get to kind of play in a couple different zones because Jeep did pickups, right? Jeep did, you know, the first SUVs, you know, all these, all these things that, that you can kind of make a, a, a story of, or, or give a, a, a nod to by having these kind of um, older vehicles that you redo. And in some cases that the redos are pretty mild because they were always capable, you know, it might just be kind of making them a little bit more so true. Never uh, thought uh, robust. Yeah. So it, it's been cool, you know, and, and again, being a, an old car enthusiast, uh, as well as a designer, those ones in particular have always been fun to me. And those are ones that even past my, my time in Jeep, um, I've been lucky enough to be, you know, asked to kind of help manage those, uh, as well, which is, which is super cool, right? I mean, you know, you get to you get to play with old cars, but on a on a company budget versus your own, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that that is that's not a bad thing, man. No, <laughs> so no, let's talk about cool. the the sixty five Wagoneer. Um, sure. Where did that come from? Uh, you know, talk from start to finish. Like you said, like you do ESJ, right, or EJS, right, EJS. and then it's yep. like you kind of just. They, you put them you put them aside and now it's time to start the new ones uh so you sure. got a year of the sure. clock resets like nice. that 65 wagoneer it ended up on on jay leno's garage you ended up on jay leno's garage uh yeah. you did a lot of media with that particular build so yeah. tell me how the start to finish uh came up with that 
Sure. So I found it on Craigslist. Um, it was actually a really good deal. I wish I kind of found it for myself because <laughs> a year before I was looking for one and I, I ended up finding it one out in uh, Coeur d'Alene uh, that I brought home. Um, but this one was uh, in incredibly good shape. It was a very low mile survivor, was not restored. It was untouched. Um, not a show queen at all. It was just an old Jeep, you know, um, but it was clean, right? So I, I bought it sight unseen. We had to ship back to Detroit. Um, it showed up at the uh, design center. And from there, we, we put plates on it and I actually drove it 16 miles to the shop that we, uh, that we tore it down at. And uh, no, no one had ever driven it before. So we were going, you know, my boss was following me. And as it was, as it was tugging along and you know, things started working, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you got brake lights now. We were on walkies, you know, he's like, oh, you got, you got lights, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I think, I think that just straightened out. So, but it, it got there in one piece. Um, and then the idea behind the car, kind of the concept that we had discussed on that car was, was road trip, right? Which is what it became known as, right? Is Wagoner road trip. And so the idea was kind of the, the nostalgia of the route 66, the family road trip in the sixties. Right. And, and cause you know, if you think about SJs at their inception, they were a lifted wagon, right? Mm-hmm. Up to that point, everybody had station wagons. And so essentially a lot of the aesthetics, but even the, the kind of, you know, design of those, they were a full frame truck and they were four wheel drive, but they were, the body looked more wagon-esque, right? That's the name Wagoneer. But um, yeah, so we, we wanted to really kind of play up mid sixties vibe. And so we fell in love immediately with the, with the green, right? So we ended up going and just retuning that green recalibrating it a little bit to give a little bit more pop but kind of keep it um and then you know the the just kind of looking at uh, vintage thermoses um you know old old tools just kind of getting inspired by a lot of that like old american made kind of feel right when things when things were quality sure sure it was just like you know everything had kind of a, a a heavy nature to it right so where we started really kind of getting into wanting to build this thing as a, as a full-fledged rig, you know, something that's not like a rock smasher, you know, it's not, we're not going to run, you know, 40s on it, lockers and all that. We're, you know, uh, it does have lockers, but, you know, not you know, running 60s at the front and rear. We really wanted it more to be a wheeler, a legit wheeler, but something that was very drivable. Um, you know, one of the questions I got asked a lot because we put a 5.7 in it, was, oh, well, why didn't you put, you know, the, the heavier, you know, supercharger, but why didn't you hell, hell crate it, you know? And it was like, well, why? What would yeah. be the point? You know, like, yeah. why, why the 5.7's got plenty of grunt, but it's not, it wasn't the vibe, right? It wasn't the, the you know, fire-breathing, snorting hot rod. We wanted it to have enough oomph to, to get the job done. But really, the story was more kind of just the vibes that it gave off, right? You know, the fishing poles and the, and the, uh, the, the wooden skis, you know, just, and again, it, which, it was wild because when that car, when it did show, literally everybody and their brother had a, you know, a story or a relationship to a Wagoneer. And part of that's obviously because of the, the nature of how long those things ran and that it kind of, you know, it blurred the lines, you know, certain people, oh, you know, my, my family had a, had a 90, you know, or a, a final edition. And I remember growing up in that, or, oh, my uncle had an old J truck. And because it was the same nose, you know, it's, it's, yeah. It, it all kind of melds into one. So it was super cool that literally everybody fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just such a, a great vehicle. And so, you know, mechanically we, uh, we kept the frame. A lot of people say, Oh, you must've just thrown the whole frame out and put a JK frame under it. But no, we, we kept the frame. Those things have a pretty beastly frame underneath. Yeah. So, um, we just, we got rid of the, uh, the leaf springs, which were all pretty tired anyway. 
And we put basically link coil setups from a uh, Wrangler Rubicon in there mm-hmm. with the uh, stock um, axles, 410s. Um, and so I had, had kind of a, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while, but the T-Case, I believe, might have come out of a, a Ram charger, um, you know, that we had, we had hooked. It was, a, it was a Hemi, and I think it was a trusty old 727 Trans mm-hmm. to, a, you know, a, a, like a Ram charger T-Case, but then went out to the, the uh, Rubicon axles. Um, and, yeah, so I had, you know, um, lockers. You know, it, it, it could lock up when you needed it to. Um, but it was just, it just was nice, you know, and we, of course, you know, we got rid of the quadra track and, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, a typical, a more typical T case, uh, you know, manual T case, you know, handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was nice. It was, it was a very, um, well-behaved truck. And I mean, I built some rowdy, <laughs> rowdy rigs. I, I like, I like how you use that nice. term rowdy. What about the, yeah, the interior I mean, of that thing was, was super sure. cool. I mean, you had, you you had that I think it was that oxblood interior. You used some wicker also. Yeah. Like, how does that all yeah. come together? Uh, you know what? It was it was literally just kind of snapping pictures out of uh, magazines of again just like looking at pictures of of old materials. Right, the wicker was uh, so you reference wicker. We did a the whole um, headliner out of wicker, right? And uh, parts of the parts of the IP. Um, and it was just like, I was looking at pictures of old stereo speakers, you know, the old Marshall speakers and like, you know, just stuff that, that evoked those vibes, but just had kind of a, a light feel to them. Um, same with the seats, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there, there were some cool fabrics and there was some, some cool, uh, upholsteries you could do in the sixties, you know, with, with Jeep and, you know, later, you know, AMC had a lot of cool plaids and stuff, but I thought it'd be cool to just do something. You know, the Oxblood had kind of this weathered distress feel, and it kind of you know, mixed the uh, the vibes between kind of the hunting rig and the family family truckster, you know. So it was like it was kind of perfect in that sense, you know. And then I restored the original steering wheel, um, you know, and we had kind of the the cream and green motif going on. So that I think the dash we kept kind of cream and um, yeah, just kind of kept it all very simple but very classic looking, you know. And, and again, trying to blend those uh, blur those lines, if you will, of of what exact era it came from because you know we had talked about it it's a 65 but i put a 69 grill on it and the you know the i think the four-wheel drive things were from a j truck and the you know the wagoneer from a mid-70s you know the emblem so i I was just going around literally kind of picking my favorites from all the different eras um and just kind of you know put a smattering of, of what I liked on the car, you know? Now you build these amazing Moab special projects every year. Now you're designing them, but do you have your own team that actually builds these things? Is there a yeah. shop that, that builds these things yeah. that that's, is that their entire job? So we've worked with a number of build shops over the years. Um, and they, they are the same guys who build the concept cars. So, okay. um, they, they're the ones who are doing these, you know, the heavy, you know, the full body car, stuff like that. They, they have the capacity to do full, you know, pull molds of body sides. And so, so for, you know, some of those heavier, um, Jeeps that I've done that required, you know, full roofs or, you know, uh, we did one with a full carbon tub, you know, um, stuff like that. They actually have to, you know, cut molds and then cast and and do all Mm -hmm. kinds of, uh, of work and they have the capacity to do so, which is, you know, for, for a hot rod guy like myself, that is just like a kid in a candy shop. You know, you just are like, well, what can, what can I get into here? You know, it's like, Oh, why, 
I can make a badge, you know, and, and, and that's the, the beauty of some of the, the, um, the rope that, that, uh, my boss at the time, Mark Allen had given me, you know, uh, is that because we share such a similar sense of humor, you know, we would come up with these wacky ideas and then it'd be like, go run with it. Let's see what we can do. And it just, you know, uh, the, the success rate was high. So we got, you know, we were able to get away with, with quite a bit, um, which is fun. You know, they, they, all these vehicles that I've done for, for Moab always had a little bit of a sense of humor. I don't think any of them were ever like super serious and, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't smile and at least laugh at, at yourself or, you know, at, at seeing some of the aspects of them. Cause we always tried to have fun with it and make sure that that fun came through, you know, be it silly stickers that we put in there or like, you know, um, hiding, you know, mini bars in them or, you know, just certain, <laughs> certain things that we, that we did, you know, that, that were just kind of like fun the Easter eggs. details. Yeah. The Easter yeah, eggs. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. That is that all these projects sound really inexpensive. It's amazing that you do these on a $25,000 budget, right? <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah. It, I didn't I didn't realize that the the shops that that do all these projects for you are also the shops that um that do all your concept cars. So it makes sense though because they can literally make anything. It's um, awesome to have. I mean, the, I mean the the fabricators, the craftsmen, these guys are such pros. I mean, it's just I, I sit in awe because I can, I can draw a pretty picture really well and I can turn wrenches, but when it comes to like really watching these guys work and how they, how they, you know, attack a project and, and the level at which they operate is just, it's second to none, you know, as far as just, you know, and I've been around restorations and stuff all my life, but just watching these, this is just another level of, of, uh, you know, insanity watching this stuff come together. It's so cool. And on the Never timeline, decided. they're doing it on. No, we, we get a little bit of, you know, sometimes it's a little later, sometimes a little earlier, but it's always a known entity. It's Easter and it's always a week before is that, uh, is that Easter Jeep Safari. So we have got to get it done. And like I said, we don't necessarily get started a lot of the times until like, you know, around now, you know, which is uh, uh, September, October, if we're lucky. Other times, not until after Thanksgiving, you know, and then you're really on a time crunch. That's so. super tight. Yeah. What, um, yeah. So outside of the the '65 Wagoneer that you know, just you did so much press for. Um, you know, is there any other of these Moab special projects that just stands out in your head where you're like, I love it. Like I I love doing that one. Yeah, there there's a few. I think a lot of the, I, I think that the chief uh, that I mentioned before will always you know be near and dear to me because it was kind of the first one I did. Mm-hmm. Um, that that year, the chief. The staff car, which was a JK that was more dressed up like a like an old CJ2A, like a, a military style, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, staff vehicle that never was. Um, and uh, th- those two are really I've always enjoyed, and we've brought them back year after year because we keep driving them. It's one of those things where those those two are, are always awesome. And then because I'm an old car geek, you know, the the retro kind of resto mod vehicles that we've done have always I really enjoyed working on those two. So. Uh, in particular, I did uh, one called the, uh, the Five Quarter, which was a, a military 715, and uh, that thing was a beast. Um, but again, I, I touched everything. I think the door skins were the only thing I left alone on it. So it was wow. just like, yeah, I mean, it was a, a super fun build. Um, just was a, a rowdy hot rod, you know, just really a wild, you know, full tilt nose. I mean, it was a really, really kind of, um, a fun one to do. And so I think, I think the ones that I always enjoy doing are those ones that have, have a, you know, a retro beginning. And then it's, it's where do you take it from there? Do you keep it retro? Do you keep, you know, like the Wagoneer where it's, it's that, 
you know, Lake Tahoe 1968 vibe, or do you go just like full Terminator on it where it's just, you know, a, a different, you know, with, with the 715, like the, uh, you know, the, the whole interior was inspired by the cockpit of like a, of an old P51 Mustang. Right. So it was like the green cool. floors. There was, there was red lighting inside the dash, which was all kind of skeletonized and had old aircraft gauges and stuff. So it just, you know, it's, it's fun playing up those vibes and, you know, some people are like, well, why? I don't get it. You know, you, why do you do these concepts for Jeep? You're never going to put these into production. It's like, no, we're not. You know, this, these aren't for production. These are these are simply a celebration of, you know, both the heritage that we have, but also that, you know, it's got to be worth something. At least to me, it is. It's got to be worth something to know that the team that designed these Jeeps, um, the new Jeeps, you know, it still has that same you know, we're, we're still car guys or car yeah. people, I should say. Right. And we're, we're still rent owners. We still love, you know, doing this stuff. And, and to me that, that grounds, that grounds you, you know, like you have a, if you have a sense of history, you can definitely have a sense of future, right? Like if you don't know where you've been, then it's hard to know where you can go, you know? And, so and, I think every Jeep, important. it doesn't matter what, what, uh, what edition it is, even, you know, come down to the most modern JLs. I mean, there's sure. always so much heritage in them. Um, oh, yeah. that that's super cool. I'm so glad you could talk about the, uh, the Moab concepts. What other are the newer models? Like you said, you were on the, on the compass team. That was the first mm-hmm. team. Um, yep. you know, you were the design manager on, on the gladiator, right? Yeah. So the, the gladiator, it's all very Wrangler, right? Um, mm-hmm. but it, it had a five foot bed. So, um, around the time that I became a manager, um, that was one of the first projects that I, that I took on was kind of helping out with, with the, uh, kind of production process of that, that truck. Um, as well as, uh, helping out with the beginning stages of what's now the, the Grand Cherokee and Grand Cherokee L. So, um, and that, that was, uh, that was cool to be part of too, just because those are, you know, while the, the, obviously the Wrangler is the, is the halo vehicle, right? It's, it's our, it's our ethos, if you will, you know, the Grand Cherokee is still like a huge part of, of Jeep, right? It's like, Oh, I have a Jeep. Oh, what do you have? Grand Cherokee. I was <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's interesting to, to, you know, meet people and, and they're still very much, you know, that they're still about Jeep, but even though if they don't have a, a Wrangler, you know, it's mm-hmm. like. It's like, oh, if you don't have a Wrangler, you're not a Jeep person. It's like, eh, not necessarily. People are pretty, they're pretty uh, out of, of any Jeep that they own, be it a, you know, a Compass, a Renegade, you know, all the way up. It, it's wild to see how many people really have, you know, especially globally, you know, uh, speaking to people in other countries, you know, what, what Jeep means to them, you know, versus, you know, here, I think in, in this country, we're all, we're all Wrangler or nothing, right? But it's, it's you know, when you get globally, it's it's really uh, the definition is a little different, which is kind of cool because it's all Jeep, right? So. Yeah, of course. That's, uh, that's neat. That is super cool that you did the uh, the JT Gladiator. Um, you know, you, you started, you had that JL, um, but what was the process of, of basically kind of hacking off the back and now putting a bed on, right? Sure. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, I'd like to say it kind of designed itself in a, in a sense. I mean, I didn't, I, like I said, I can't take credit for, for penning it. Right. I was mm-hmm. on the kind of, uh, the managerial side of things, but, um, it, it really was like, Hey, you know, we have, we have this, this great opportunity to make a, um, you know, a very functional pickup with all the attributes that, you know, make the Wrangler amazing with the functionality of a five foot bed, you know, and a full size spare. Right. And it's like, so, you know, seeing that come together was really cool, right? Because it's like, 
you know, and I have one. I, it, it's just, it's awesome. Cause what other, you literally take the roof doors and windshield off, right? Yeah, it's just like, it's, it's so cool. And still have the functionality of, of, a you know, of a, of a vehicle that you can throw stuff in the bed. And I, I'm, you know, it's, it's super cool. And it, it's funny. We, I think as a team, we were, before it came out, we were like, I wonder if this is, you know, if people are going to use this the same way that, you know, people use Wranglers, right. And which is, you know, it's a, it's different things to different people, but the knowledge that you can take the doors off is always one of those things that, or you flip the windshield down. How many people actually flip the windshield down? Probably not that many, not a lot, but <laughs> the, the idea that you could is, is enough for people to, you know, to want. Right. And so I remember, uh, you know, the first time we like kind of took everything off of the, of the, the gladiator and looked at it and we're like, that's pretty cool. You know, it's like, it, it looks like a, like a skeleton, you know, it was like one of those things where we we're all like, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, like it, just because it's, it's a lot longer. You got the bed and everything. But then you look at it and you're like, huh, that's sweet. That's <laughs> super that. cool. So, well, yeah. he, here's an here's an idea, right? Let's see if this ever comes to fruition. One of the, the rarest J trucks, obviously, is the honcho, right? So would you ever make a JT Gladiator honcho step side? A step side that is an idea well you yeah because remember first. the honchos you could get a step side honcho j truck and that's probably yeah. one of the rarest jeeps out there right yeah maybe yeah. there's an idea there you go you heard it here first you're <laughs> <laughs> for uh easter jeep safari next year or, or the year after probably a little late now but the year after a step side honcho jt shows up you know i get the credit there you go there you go we'll be the first one to drive it we'll find you that's super awesome. <laughs> that, that is neat. Um, but what about your own personal arsenal right now? I know you've had a, a bunch of classic four wheel drives and classic sure. cars in general. Like, you know, you and I grew up together. Your mom was my math tutor and you, your, your dad always had some just epic restoration projects going on oh, yeah. Um, yeah. behind your house. Like uh, I, I will always remember, you know, from the front, your house was just, you know, just absolutely beautiful. And, but there was always that driveway that went around the side. Yeah. And, and once it yeah. went around the side and down below the house to the lower level, like that's, that was your dad's domain. That's where the garages yeah. were. All the cool cars yeah. were. Yeah. Um, full, so junkyard back there for sure. Yeah, man. <laughs> but everything came to fruition though. That's what was yeah. more amazing is yeah, yeah. it started under a tar but eventually yeah. it ended up in that in that garage right oh so. yeah absolutely yeah no uh yeah i've, I've had a uh, my share of uh i have mostly vintage jeeps um and then i've had a few and i still have a few uh i'm a I'm kind of a mopar guy so i, I have a, a few back here right actually oddly enough i still have my my first car which is my 65 dart uh gt convertible which i don't know we'll see if we can and you see the white hood peeking out back there. Yeah. So yeah. I drag I dragged that home, or I should say my dad dragged that home when I was 15 years old. And uh we started working on it. And it was gonna be my high school car. Mm-hmm. And it was such a it's such a piece of junk <laughs> that it took forever. Never made it to high school, never made it to college. And then when I moved out here, my dad was like, Cool, so the car's coming out by you. So it ended up in storage. So I still have it and it's now finally running 25 years later. So, you know, here we are. But uh, that interim, actually brings guy. up uh, a good question. I'm going to interrupt you real yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, what no, was no. your first car? Because I ask everybody what their first car is. What was sure. your first car? So that was technically my first car. But if if we're talking about what my first car high school, like what I got my license in, it was an 87 Dodge Daytona uh, Shelby Z. 
which I thought was way cooler than it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah T-tops, which I was like, man, T-tops, all right. But yeah, and it always leaked. But it was, yeah, uh, yeah that was my, my sweet high school car. I was in the same boat because I don't know if you remember, I drove that like that teal YJ, you know, square headlight oh, yeah. style. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I drove that that teal YJ. Uh, it was a sport, uh, Wrangler Sport, and had all yep. the chrome and the half mm-hmm. doors. And man, I caught so much flack for that. And because uh, of the color of that car, but I loved oh, yeah. that thing. And and to kind of get put this all into perspective for our listeners, you drove your, your Daytona, I drove my teal YJ. But our parking lot at our high school was <laughs> yeah, like nothing well. anybody's ever seen. There were kids that, that drove H1s, Porsche 911s. Like yeah. these cars we're talking about, there are a lot of people out there be like, oh, that's so cool to have a Daytona. Like we were driving the junkers. <laughs> that's, that, you're absolutely right. It's funny. I, I, it's some, sometimes I explain that to, to my kids because like where I live is a very, very nice area. You know, and it's it's very much like where we grew up, you know, next to, <laughs> you know, where it was where we went to high school was a, you know, a, a beautiful place. But yeah, the parking lot, I just remember, I was just excited to have a car. But I remember, you know, the same thing, the H1, the new BMWs, the, you know, and it was just like, wow. All the Range Rovers. Oh, yeah, man. It was, it was a, it was a different, uh, different ball game. Yeah. Our parking lot at high school uh, definitely resembled like the parking lot of a, uh, a professional sports team. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, except for, sure. for my yj and your daytona <laughs> yeah exactly there's there a few of us outliers that had the, the hoopties in the in the corner of the parking lot but yeah. you know what hey all works out yeah of course i mean and there was always a couple plymouth voyager uh you know the, the full-size <laughs> vans with the the wood suds those were the guys you really wanted to hang out with <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah, so, minivan. Yeah, um, that Oh, the hand-me-down mom's minivan was was, was great. So Maybe party um, barbies, man. Yeah, those things. So I interrupted you. You said uh, so. You, you oh, have your yeah. first car, and and uh, yeah. you know, so walk us through some of the stuff in your own personal collection that you've had sure. and yeah. uh, have also. Sure. So uh, right now in my personal arsenal, I have the the '65 Dodge GT convertible. I have a '68 uh, Imperial Crown Coupe. So big old cruiser from the late '60s. Um, my dad had one when I was a kid. Uh, in fact, you probably remember I drove it to high school a couple of times. It was just like this giant white convertible, 200 feet long, you know? And so I started looking for one a couple of years back. Eventually I found one, brought it up here. It was, uh, in rough shape. So I, I had it repainted and everything and, uh, did a bunch of body work and redid the motor and everything. So I have that, um, I have a 54 Plymouth Savoy, which is, you know, kind of built up like an old school, like early 50s custom very mild but like i drive it almost you know when the snow stops flying so early april to like late november it's almost my daily driver so um i love that thing it's got three wires and the whole thing it's kind of like the the cj3 you know it's just like there's there's it's very easy to diagnose something because it's like well if it's not this it's that because there's six moving parts in this whole thing so <laughs> um i kind of love it for that you know um but i've had i've had a whole you know slew of cars a lot of older uh mopars you know i've had uh some turbo cars like i said that that shelby i had in high school was a uh kind of it got me started into into turbos and you know uh kind of the the tuner side of things but of course i always had to be the oddball and go for like a dodge instead of you know what would have been smarter with like a civic or something (laughs) something that everybody knew about and here i was like i want to dodge you know so um yeah so uh i had a little glh which was a uh an Omni. So, uh, 
best thing I could describe is the the pizza guy's car in Home Alone. It's one yeah. of those, right? A little <laughs> all tuned up, right? Yeah, yeah. So this one was you know three hundred horsepower. It was a it was a total monster. So I had that for a number of years. Um, so I bounce around. I have I, it's funny because my tastes are all over the board. You know, I, I like I like a little bit of everything, which is tough when you have limited space to keep you know stuff, which I seem to acquire more more, more than I can get rid of. <laughs> Cause I fall in love with everything, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's fun. It keeps me out of trouble. So any classic four wheel drives, uh, that you've had, Yeah, I, I've had my, my Wagoneer. So I had a, uh, a 79 Wagoneer that I converted. It was, uh, so in 79, they switched to the square headlights. Mm-hmm. So I bought that came out of quarter lane, rust free truck. Um, it, it came back here and immediately I bought a, um, parts donor from, uh, Montana, a 69 and took all the trim, grill bumpers a uh, bunch of interior components and basically swap mine over um to what i call the a budget icon build if you will like so mm-hmm. it was a, a newer esque you know sj with all the older looks so um that was awesome um i had that for a number of years and then uh i bought a little comanche which was a terrible decision but uh <laughs> I, lo- I loved it as much as i hated it it was a it was a little white Comanche uh, early. I want to say it was an 80. Oh my God. I can't even remember what, what year it was at this point because I, I swapped a, an XJ nose, a later XJ uh, mm-hmm. nose onto it. Um, but it was bumped and bruised, but it was rust free. Um, it was a, a weird little hot rod. It had a stroker motor in it. It started as a, as a four liter, but um, again, I, I lost trust in it because it, the old project cars for, uh, you know, for dailies, you have a certain amount of, of trust issues baked in that you can forgive, right? Mm-hmm. That you're like, you know what? I know I'm going to get stranded. My SJ stranded me plenty of times, you know, brakes blew out. You know, I'd, I'd have certain things, you know, gas gauge was iffy at best. So all of a sudden <laughs> a half tank turned to nothing. And then I just, be, you know, but at a certain point when you get left stranded enough, constantly fixing, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm falling out of love. So that was like the, the Comanche at a certain point, between my wife just being like, you got to, you got to buy something else. Cause I can't keep picking you up. <laughs> um, and, and the fact that I just like, when you go out to like drive the, the car and you're like, am I going to make it home tonight? You know, it's like, it's like, eh, it, it might be time to move on from this one. So when, when you turn um, the key and you get excited, you're like, yes, one oh, yeah. last thing to yeah. worry about today. Yeah, you know, exactly. We always talk about moving on cars down the line to the next, uh, to the next curator or, you know, owner or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, and there's ones that you, you're sad that you, you move on down the lines and, and there's ones that you're excited. So it sounds like the Comanche was the one that you were excited to move on down the line. <laughs> That one, I'm, I guess, God bless it, it's, it's gone. But uh, the SJ, I miss. You know, that was the, the cool thing was I, I needed to get rid of it only because I was driving it full time and I didn't want to drive it into the winter. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't have a place to keep it. So instead of in, you know, for, for those of you not from the, the Rust Belt, um, Michigan, you only get a certain amount of time outside in Michigan during the winter, you know, um, before the rust inevitably creeps in cancer gets everything here as far as you know uh if you're not keeping the stuff in the garage there's very little you can do to stop the michigan rust from getting it so this one was like i said it was it was beautiful but it was at the point where you know i either had to go full tilt and and restore it or you know um or just let it move to the next owner who could take care of it and kind of keep it as a toy versus a driver because i didn't want to I didn't want to be the one responsible for letting the rust get it, you know? And so I I put it up for sale 
And the cool thing was the guy who bought it came out and he had two little girls and his wife came out. And it's funny because, um, he, she like, she looked at it and you know, it was, it was a unrestored. I had, I had cut and polished the paint. So it actually came up. It was a, it was that dark blue. Um, and she looked at it and she was kind of unconvinced, you know, she didn't dislike it and her, the daughters loved it. And I was like, all right, cool. And he was, you know, over and under it. And she goes, you know, uh, kind of aside to him, she goes, it's kind of, there's some scratches and, and, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of beat up. And he goes, no, no, that's just, that's just work hardened. And I was like, this is the guy. <laughs> I this like guy. that. Yeah, line. I like this guy, you know, cause it was like, you know, he understood that it's a Jeep, you know what I mean? Like it's, it hasn't lived a perfect life. It's not a show queen and mm-hmm. I, I reeled it, you know, and it, I didn't do any heavy wheeling with it, but like it went through the woods, it, but it's just one of those things where it's like, when you can appreciate, and that's kind of what I love about the older, older raves, you know, it's like when they have a, a, a life that they lead, they, they have this weathering. It's almost like a good leather belt, you know, the, yeah. the more, you know, bruises and designate, it's just, it has, it has more of a, like a mythical sense to it where it's like, oh man, that's just, it's aged to perfection, you know, versus like, if that was a car, you'd be like, eh, I think beat up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, that's like the perfect caretaker to move it on down the line. Oh too. yeah. And yeah. he loved it. He, he's, we stayed in touch, uh, which is always cool when you can stay in touch with somebody and, and know that like, if he's ever looking for parts, because I'm so plugged into the, you know, vintage Jeep scene and stuff. And, uh, you know, in this area, especially it's like, oh, well, oh yeah. Look at, look at this guy. He, I know he has parts and, you know, if he was doing stuff, it's always nice to be able to stay connected, you know? Of course. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same boat too. The only time I ever pass them on down the line is when I run out of space, which recently, uh, you know, as I've had a lot more time, uh, to myself, I've been buying and buying and buying (laughs) and buying. And next thing you know, I'm running out, running out of space, running out of space. Uh, I'm actually in the process of, uh, just in the middle of a, of an SJ, uh, an 81 or I'm sorry, an 82, um, Wagoneer, limited which is yeah. as you know the the og grand wagoneer from was it 78 to 83 oh, they made yeah. the the limited trim which turned into the the grand wagoneer mm-hmm. and i'm just about to start an 85 cj7 sure. that has the trifecta powertrain with the 258 inline six the t176 four speed oh yeah and the dana 300 but with it uh at some point and somebody did it right uh did a twin stick conversion on the dana 300 so uh, oh wow really yeah nice. I, I, yeah so i actually uh when i test drove it i i went out to bought it out of um at a, outside of gettysburg pennsylvania this thing is clean as can be. And what really drew me to it was that trifecta powertrain. And I had never, have you ever um, driven a twin stick before a, a twin stick T case? I've never had. No, it's a cool. No. So essentially no. you have two sticks that allow you to control each of the drive shafts, the front drive shaft and the back, the, the rear drive shaft. So, wow. you know, if, if you're wheeling, yeah. which I don't really wheel these things uh, too much, but if you're wheeling, you could, essentially put the front axle in low and the rear axle in high if you needed more traction it's it's really pretty wild man i haven't played with a lot because it's at the mechanic right now getting all the mechanical (laughs) sorted out and then um and getting that all reconditioned then it's going to go to body and then interior and and i'll make them as perfect as uh as i love them um but uh you're you're working chris you're working at uh, as we start to get to the end here you're you've (laughs) 
you're no longer a design manager uh, for the Jeep brand. You were there mm-hmm. for many years, uh, and you've now transitioned to the Dodge SRT brand. Um, you've only been there for three years, so obviously a lot of what you're working on you can't talk about because we're going to start to see it in the next couple of years. But is there Absolutely. anything, um, any projects you've worked on at Dodge SRT that uh, that are out in the public that you can talk about? Sure. Uh, so most recently, we, we I was on. I was lucky enough to be on the team that that did the uh, the Daytona uh, concept car that just came out. So it's it's really been really cool because it's very polarizing, right? It's a fully electric Bev muscle car, which you know um, it's obviously going to get you know people people going one way or the other, right? You're gonna love it or hate it, but you're gonna have you're gonna feel one way about it, you know. So it's been really cool to be part of that team because again, being someone who's an enthusiast, you know, I, I love, you know, the idea of working for a brand that's enthusiast driven. And that was part of the the reason that going over from, from Jeep to Dodge was such an interesting transition for me was because it was two very enthusiast driven brands. Right. Um, which is, it's awesome. I don't know how I could ever go back to working for a, you know, a, a brand that isn't enthusiast driven. Right. After, after, you know, with, with Jeep, it's like, especially when we go out to Moab, it's like you meet, the customer face to face and they were uh, a group of people who would tell you their likes and their dislikes. Like you were going to get it all right. Um, same with Dodge. And it's the only real difference I'd like to say is that the, the time you spend in first gear, you know, where, where, <laughs> you know, Jeep, you do a lot of, a lot of first gear wheeling, but you know, in, in Dodge, it's how to get out of first gear as quick as possible. But um, it's been, it's been cool being part of uh, Dodge. And so uh, beyond working on the, the show car that just came out, um, I've been kind of helping to manage all of what we were calling the last call, um, muscle cars, right? So the, the challengers and chargers, uh, the last uh, year of them, they're all very cool and special, uh, additions. So I've been able to be part of that team. So kind of managing a lot of those, those cars, because even though they, they've been out for a while, they're, they're just, they pull a lot of heartstrings. People really love those cars, right? They, they evoke a lot of, uh, a lot of emotions, right? So, um, and they're rowdy. They're hot rods. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's hard not to like something that you could just do a you know 120 foot <laughs> burnout. So, I mean, you, know. you just hop behind the wheel of a demon, and what's that 700 uh, some yeah. horsepower, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's nuts. So um, it's it's cool, you know. And, and uh, to be part of you know all the the current muscle car stuff, and then to be also working on you know this future muscle car stuff is just it's a really really. Uh, to me, it's very special to be part of because it's it's a paradigm shift, right? It's it's being you know here in the industry as as things are are shifting and you know there's different powertrains and there's you know there's all these the the future is is for the first time in a hundred years it's a little different than it has been, you know, and so it's it's cool, it's it's definitely a, a fun place to be right now. That's awesome, man. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Uh, you know, this this interview means a lot to me. Not only the fact that I got to interview an iconic uh, automotive designer, especially a Jeep des- designer, but the fact that I got to reconnect with somebody I've known for 30 years that I haven't yeah, even talked to in probably 15 years, right? 15, 20 yeah. years or, or come yeah, across. So that's what that's what means a lot to me with this this particular interview. And I know our listeners are going to 
absolutely eat this interview up. Uh, it's a great follow-up uh, uh, to the Palo de Masa interview and, and talking about all those Moab projects. So, Chris, man, thank you so much for uh, for joining the Classic 4x4 podcast today. Also, uh, for all of our listeners, if you don't follow Chris, make sure you do on Instagram at Piscatelli Design. Check out his website. Buy some of his original sketches or the prints of his original sketches at PiscatelliDesign.com. Chris, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate you reaching out, man. It's been good. There it is. It was a pleasure, man.